Good morning, Cincinnati, and welcome into another winning episode of the Bearcat Brunch, brought to you, as always, by Royal Lynx Golf Tours. Jeff, have you ever, I don't know how much of a golfer you are, have you ever wanted to go to England, Scotland, Ireland to play it, some golf? That is a bucket list item for me. I love golf. Since I've had kids, I haven't been able to golf quite as much, but I love getting out there and playing golf whenever I well, can. Happenstance has it that if you ever do get the chance to go, our great sponsor, Royal Links Golf Tour, two former Bearcats, Jeff Bartholomew and quarter, former quarterback Hayden Moore, have teamed up to start this company that sets up some premier golf trips to the British Isles, Carnoustie, St. Andrews, North Berwick, you name it. The guys at Royal Links Golf Tours have everything you need for your trip abroad. Not just the golf, you can get some whiskey tours, some whiskey tastings, castle tours, all this, all the great, great things that would make a perfect trip, whether it's just a couple of buddies or a big group that wants to go over there. You know, if it is on your bucket list, like it is for Jeff and for myself, <clears throat> give Jeff or Hayden a call, 770-331-1525. You can also find them at Royal Links golftours.com and big news right off the top of the show Hayden Moore will be joining us after the homecoming game on the Bearcat brunch to uh, you know to break down kind of I guess that would be the first half of the season week six or game six I should say after South Florida October 9th I believe is that Sunday but uh, so excited Excited for that. He's going to be in town for the game and said he'd, he'd be happy to jump on with us uh, Sunday fun. morning. So everybody can look forward to that. But uh, good morning to Jason. Good morning, everybody. And good morning to another Bearcats win, 45-24 over the Indiana Hoosiers. Explosive first half, especially second quarter. Things uh, grinded to a halt in the second half, but the Bearcats were – Impressive for 30 minutes, and it was plenty to to get the job done. So as we do every episode, what is your big takeaway from the Bearcats win? Um, if they ever play a full game, uh, I don't think there's – I mean, I think they go up against just about anybody because at this point they've played a bunch of second halves and now a, a first half. So maybe, maybe let's play a whole game. A nice whole clean game. It would be cool. It would be cool. I think I think outside of your like elite elite teams, I think this yeah. is what a lot of teams do, even a lot of good teams. You know, you have a great half, a poor half, fits, you know, you have intermittent fits and starts here and there. But uh but yes, it was definitely a a quite a disparity. In performance, being that, you know, Ben Bryant was 17 for 21 for over 300 yards and four touchdowns in the first half. And then they ended up being, I think, one for nine on third down in the second half and just really, really couldn't get anything going offensively. And, and you know, we've already got some some questions coming in, so appreciate that. And we'll get to all these. But, you know, Justin asked, how concerned should we be with the running game moving forward? J you know, Jason mentions that IU sold out against the run. Uh, and I will definitely get to – we will get to both of those. But um, I kind of want to start defensively. And I don't know how he keeps doing it, 
Uh, every week we talk about him. Every yeah. week he does something better. But I mean, Ivan Pace, man, fifteen tackles, two and a sex, four and a half tackles for loss, three QB hits. Just he he's just unbelievable. I saw somebody tweet out. I don't know. It was probably around halftime ish or or so. It was like. How many how many tackles does Ivan Pace have right now? And I, I just responded, all of them, because like it seems like if it's not, a, I mean, he had fifteen tackles, seven of them solo. Would you say two and a half sacks and four and a half tackles for loss? Yeah, like, and was credited with three quarterback hurries. And I want to say that's probably low. I think that yeah, he, I mean, there's he was always in the backfield again. He, you know, I saw somebody else. There was a conversation going on about like. You know, is he a, an NFL-type talent? And somebody was like, well, he's way too small to go to the NFL and be a linebacker. I mean, the kid's been he, – he said it himself. He's always been undersized and small, and he's gotten the job done. So, Yeah, and not everything has to be – I know we fall, you know, we fall into this – I don't know what it, what it is. Just not everything has to be like, how does the guy translate to the NFL? Like, I'm right. – I don't really care about that right now. I'm just enjoying – just how active he is, how relentless he. I mean, his sacks were chased down sacks. I mean, it wasn't like he was unblocked and came right up the middle, and the you know the quarterback couldn't do anything. I mean, these were relentless get off blocks, chase down the quarterback type plays, and he has just been a you know a revelation. I you know we Chad and I talked this week, like. We thought he'd be good. We thought he'd be real good. We thought yeah. he might be the best player on the defense. But, I mean, to, to, to do this game in and game out now, that when every team now knows, like, hey, he's a problem, we have to, we have to count yeah. for him. We have to do something about him. And for him to do what he did yesterday was, was just outstanding. Yeah. Um, and, and he's got, I think, I, think uh, I forget which, at this point, which BCJ show it was on. Uh, they were talking about like how many uh, years left he's got, and I think uh, Chad said he has account only accounted for two years at this point of his eligibility between how he played, what went on in Miami, to now. So I guess he potentially has two, three, plus, two years plus a COVID year left, or this year another year in a COVID uh, yeah, year. Yeah, I think I get confused on that stuff yeah. all the time, but I think he uh, can have two years after this. So uh, I don't know that, I mean, he's probably going to join the, if he keeps up what he's doing now, he will, he will join the Bearcats that quote unquote leave early, uh, leave, leave time on the table, um, at least to, to go to the draft. Yeah. I mean, I I think that, you know, yes, he is undersized, but I mean, when you make plays, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to deny it, but um, you know, he's always moving around and, and he's in, when he's in the uh, like pre-snap stuff, you see him. He's he's up talking to each of the defensive linemen, letting them know like what's happening. He's running around. He's kind of you know, he he's directing the traffic there, and uh, and then getting it done post-snap as well. Oh yeah, I mean he's not just you know going on his own and and making plays. I mean he's getting everybody helping, getting everybody lined up. I mean it's just and you know defense was up against 102 scrimmage plays, which is just a ton. 3.87 yards per play, five sacks, 12 tackles for loss, 
12 QB hits. Like they were, Connor Bazelak is feeling it today. Like they Every could time. not, they could not block, not just him. I mean, I'm going to get to it. Like I'm really impressed with three guys stood out yesterday, but their progression has been, you know, ascending is Dante Corleone, Eric Phillips, and Justin Watley. Like they are all really coming on as guys that, you know, just new, new guy, either a new guy that hasn't played or a new guy that's role is getting larger, whether it's because Malik Van is out, but all three of those guys made plays in the backfield yesterday. Obviously Eric Phillips had, you know, the strip sack, sack. fumble at the end of the first half, had another sack at, late in the game. Um, Dante Corleone is just is mauling dudes. And if you're going to tell me you got Jawan Briggs and him as your two main interior guys, like, Good luck. Dante know, good luck getting anything going in the run game. Good luck blocking those two guys. At his size, Dante Corleone looks like he was shot out of a cannon on several plays. And and then like I just I remember there was a so he, he got in the backfield. I don't know if it was a sack or just if he just hit the quarterback. Um, but the, the camera zoomed in on his face and like I, w- I was legitimately fearing for my life sitting in my in my basement watching the, the the look on his face after he had the hit. That dude is going to be, I mean, he's already a problem. And he's yeah, going I to mean, continue to be even more of a problem. I've been, I've been probably m- most impressed with his pressure ability. Like he's using brute, brute for, for strength to do it. But like he is rocking dudes back quick. I know there was a fourth down late in the game where he just blew up the center and Bay's like, I mean, didn't even have time to to do anything. He was in his lap, and he just threw it. You know, he threw it down the field, but well out of bounds. And it was just like, I mean, that's like less than two seconds, and he is already back there. It's like nobody's even blocking him. So, you know, hat tip, big time hat tip to the defensive line. Um, the way that they've played the last two weeks, especially stopping the run. I mean, they had. Their running backs had 108 yards on 31 carries, which is 3.48 yards a carry, but that included two runs of 20, 47 and 21. So you can't take them out, but you're right. talking about 29 carries for like, you know, 50 yards, 45 yards, you know, on running backs, not counting sack yeah, yards yeah, or anything. Yeah. Um, right. And it, it was something we talked about Wednesday that I didn't understand their offense that they it came to fruition again. Like Basilek was four point one seven yards per drop back. So how are you so yet completed less than fifty percent of his passes? Yeah. It's just a hard thing to understand how you don't push the ball down the field and are inaccurate. Um, I think losing DJ Matthews hurt them. They really had nothing on the outside speed wise. That's the one thing that too that I noticed, and I don't know if you noticed it. Like. You see, speed, offensively and defensively, overwhelmed them. Oh, it, and that's not something like. Uh, so we brought that up back in the in the Arkansas game, as far as like, you uh, see, outside speed, wide receiver, wise, right? Like they they were cooking those DBs in that game. They were just some overthrows, and early in this game, you didn't really have so many overthrows. You had balls right on the money. Oh yeah. And, and, and so to have a team like UC that is in a not power five conference, I know we're going to the big 12, whatever, but to have a team like that show up and 
just outclass a big a Big Ten team. And I know it's Indiana, but they were 3-0. And I know we also said last week that not all 3-0s are made the same. Get your kids under control, Jeff. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, and you know, appreciate all the comments in the chat. Believe me, I will, I will get to all those. We will condense all those. We will talk about offense here in a little bit. But uh, I thought, you know, losing Arquan was uh was a big blow he seems like he might be okay i mean he stayed in uniform all game on yeah. the sideline we'll see how that progresses um justin harris just he just struggled he was just too grabby like i know we were i was guilty of it in the stands like you know it, it always cracks me up that you know you have a, a full-on collision sport and yet some of the penalties they call him i'm not gonna get into it really i mean like some of them were bad. Some of them were fine. Whatever. Like the one in the end zone, you know, he grabbed him. Oh, he pulled across his, the front he pulled of his jersey like, about five feet just, off of him. Just, he was too, he was too grabby, too much hands. And, and I'm sure that's what they're, you know, they're not taught to grab per se, but like they're, they're a physical defense. They're in your face, man to man defense. You got to use your hands and you just hope that you don't grab or they don't see it. And it's just the way that it goes. He just looked like he was just a little out of sorts, but it was good, you know, good to get him, uh, get him some time just because like, you know, especially like next week, Tulsa, you're going to see it. This was like, I felt like this was actually turned out to be like a good test because the pace is, pro- I don't know if the scheme is necessarily similar. Like I think Tulsa likes to stretch the field a little bit more. I haven't yeah. dug into them at all, honestly, but the pace is going to be probably similar. They're going to be a throw at team. So it was good to get that kind of test initially um, before uh, next week, and I thought they handled the pace well for the most part. They did get burned on the one touchdown to the running back on the, the sideline, just forty-seven yard one. Yeah, Indiana went fast. Well, I mean the the pass to Josh Henderson, where okay. they were going, they were going fast and uh, just kind of got UC out of sorts there and couldn't get the coverage over to him. And but other than that, I thought they handled their their tempo pretty well. Yeah, and it, I mean it's. It was very. It was moving very fast. There were a couple times where it got him, like the, uh, I think it was the forty-seven yard run. Uh, was it Thomas got stuck inside and he left came, the yeah, entire the, in, just came the entire, inside too much and the Shivers bounced it outside. Left the whole boundary open. That I mean, that was, they said that was Shivers' like longest run of his of career, career and, yeah. and, and that kind of thing. So, but I mean, there's there's there wasn't a lot to be like upset with. You had some young guys in there, and obviously this is Eric Phillips' first second start since Malik's injury. Mm-hmm. Um, he's doing very well. And then you had the young guys that had to kind of fill in with Arquan not not being in and to get the, the actual game speed, like not garbage time at the end of the game kind of experience will, I think, pay off in the long run. For sure. It was, uh, you know, I think they probably don't love that they gave up almost 50% on third down, but they were, they did hold them to 0 for 4 on fourth down. So, yeah. Um, you know, but you know, there's always going to be, you know, little things, you know, contain on that run. Um, yeah, the second half did take way too long because Indiana throws the ball 9,000 times a game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, their, their pace sometimes can bite them in the ass because when they don't, uh, comp- I mean, they aren't completing passes, you're going fast, but you're not actually using any game 
clock and your defense is right back on the field. Now UC couldn't convert because they had their own struggles offensively in the in the third quarter, especially. But you know, I think all in all, you take you take a lot of good from what the defense did. I think first and foremost is that these guys that we you know we we talked in the offseason about how you're going to replace Amai J. Sanders. We don't have a true speed guy on the edge. Well, it seems like they're replacing that element a little bit with like what Deshaun Pace does. And then they, they're getting, I guess, maybe better than we expected. I can't say better than they expected, but to me, at least guys like Phillips, guys like Watley, guys like Potter are giving them more pass rush. And it's not necessarily equating to sacks for those guys, but like, I, like we talked about earlier, you know, 12 quarterback hits, a lot of a lot of pressure, obviously, where he's not even not getting hit. You know, on 60 something dropbacks, 60, you know, 63 attempts, I want to say, where he actually threw the ball, and then all the other sacks and hurries and throwaways and everything. Mm-hmm. They created a lot of a lot of chaos uh around the line of scrimmage and in the backfield. So I think that's uh, a really good thing moving forward. I mean, I, I don't know that there's really much more to, to talk about on the defense as far as what they were able to accomplish yesterday, which was more than enough uh, to put Indiana in a bad spot and give their offense a chance to kind of stretch the game out early, which helped them going into the second half, which I just, I have some, I have a thought about yeah. it from something I heard in Luke Fickle's uh, press conference. Well, so. and, th- and we can go ahead and, and kick it over to uh, yes, hearing the re- the that is uh, <laughs> L card twenty eight. I I love this because I feel the same way. When I see the media clock, a part of me dies. They now have those big clocks on the field, and yes, when when you when it's another timeout and you just see like three minutes and thirty seconds on there, you're just like, my God, this is un- unbelievable that this is something that keeps happening constantly like every three and out that both teams were terrible in the second half and <laughs> there's a three and out three and a half minute timeout three and out two and a half minute time i'm like we just we got to get the commercial load in in the entire second half why why can't we just charge more for commercials and have less timeout time just <laughs> charge them more this time out it's the time. same eight people getting all the commercial slots anyway oh, just yeah. charge charge them more so stupid <laughs> but but yeah so we will uh you know it is nice that when you know you win by 21 and you will obviously have things to talk about offensively but like we're our complaint today is about tv timeouts right. so it, it could be it could be a lot worse but uh we'll flip we'll flip it over to the offense now um Obviously, the, the talking point coming out is going to be on the lack of run game because the pass blocking was fine. They gave Ben, especially in the first half, plenty of time. Two sacks on record. One, I think, is definitely on him, just holding the ball a little too long, yeah. trying to make something happen. But we've talked about that you know, all year. Like This is an aggressive offense, so I think you're going to get some sacks at times because he's waiting back there to try to make a play. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing that jumped out to me in watching the game and then also I did rewatch it this morning was that, and this might be what you were going to allude to about what coach Fickle said was that it felt like 
the play calling, they let the 38-10 score maybe dictate a little too much of the play calling. And while it wasn't conservative in the sense of like just run, run, punt, it felt like even the, the passing formations and routes and everything were very like it was a lot of slants it was a lot of yeah and this offense obviously first half today second half against arkansas parts of the miami like this offense is at its best when it is ultra aggressive yes and i know we want to be a offensive and defensive line driven team but like the offense is best throwing the ball and if that means you use the run game to complement that, then I think we need to just lean into that. And you can still be aggressive. We're not trying to, you're not trying to run it up, but like if guys are open, then they're open. And that's not your problem as a UC. Like, yeah. Chuck I mean, it, it, man. Like <laughs> this game, like I, I feel like, and so this is what, this is what I wanted to get. Like we can, we can kind of break down the first half in a minute. Um, but in Luke's press conference afterwards, he, he made this comment like two or three times in the middle of his answer to what was going on in the second half. Um, and he, he said like, uh, we got to work on with like a head coach, maybe putting handcuffs on, on some guys in the, you know, in that situation. So I don't know if it was one of those things where Luke and Gina kind of talked about it and he's like, look, when we go out here, like, you know, let's not, keep just throwing 75 yard go routes and, and, you know, run the score up kind of thing. And so I don't know, obviously I don't know what the, the conversation was, but just inferring from his comment, like a head coach can't maybe doesn't need to ha- put some handcuffs on some guys. Maybe I need to take the handcuffs off of some of them. Um, I just thought maybe, I don't know if it was his, like, cause obviously he's not a guy that's going to go out there and put up 77 points on an FCS opponent or something like, right he's just going to go out and win the game. He wants to win the game and move on, but he may have put them in, in maybe a little bit of a, a fear, like, Oh, a couple mistakes here. And this game might flip back the other way, even though you're 38, 10 at half. Right. I think it's a, I, I imagine it's a hard mental play to make is we're up 38, mm-hmm. 10. They haven't been able to stop us, especially throwing the ball. Let's call some quote unquote more conservative plays that will run more clock, but let's not just, you know, line up with two tight ends and run the. I just, right. I don't think that works in college. I don't think that works against an offense that is going to play the way that Indian is going to play. Like, you still need to drive the ball, you still need to run your stuff because. Now they weren't successful because I don't think they're very good and UC yeah. does have a good defense, but like we saw, we gave them the ball plenty of times to where they could have very easily, if they were better and UC was worse, come, come back because, you know, we can, I mean, I broke it down from the standpoint of the, the main drives in the second half, you have Ben's interception, which I think if he would be, he would tell you he probably that was there was just too much velocity on the throw. Yeah, and it was and, a little, and it was just a little bit high. It was a little, little high, bit. and Lenny was open. He just threw it too hard. What, I mean, yeah. whatever, it happens. But then the first play of the next drive, so you're starting on first and ten, and this is where I think they got in the problems. Is first play on the next drive, you have a false start, so you're already behind the chains on that drive. 
The drive after that, you have a six-yard rush, so good start. Three ends up in a three and out. The drive after that, you have Chuck's drop on the sideline, which I mean, it's just a flat drop. He was open. I don't know if he was worrying about the safety coming over, trying to yeah. catch it and run before run before he caught it. Whatever. Chuck's drop three and out. Next drive, three-yard rush, three and out. Next drive, one-yard rush, three and out. You get the roughing the kicker. So then you get oh, the God, two. Oh God, that was scary. Then you get. Did you the see the slow mo replay on that? Yeah. It looked like he, he, Fletcher being so thin. It looked <laughs> like his. It looked like his leg snapped. Oh jeez! Because it like it bent. It bent like, like it looked like a a bow from like a bow and arrow bow. Like it was bad. My favorite part about that was him shoving the guy who did actually rough him back on the oh, yeah. curve. After like, well, the- it, it, like the, the, the refs are looking right at them. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> like, he's like taunting the guy for roughing him with the ref standing right next to him. So then you, you get the reprieve there on the penalty. And then the very next play, you have a two yard rush. And then I'm, I'm still not sure why they snapped the ball on a fourth down with one second left on the play clock. Like just take the delay of game and punt yeah. it. Um, and then the drive after that starts with a two-yard rush. So it was a lot of runs on first down, which they don't typically do. You know, that to me says, like, let's try to run some clock. And I just, you know, I know that you're not going to just throw it all over the place and go empty and hurry up, but, like, there has to be some level of balance between that and going into, like, a shell to protect a 28-point lead when there's still a ton of of game time left. Right. So I thought that was maybe, um, you know, and, and we have a comment, the TV shows Luke flat out, you know, asking Ben, why did you hike that? Yeah. So clearly some well, miscommunication. He brought that up. That. In, he brought that up in his press conference too. He, he said um, he, that he should just not put them in that, in no, that situation to even the, put the punt team out there. Run the punt team out, you know, Let if you want to delay. Yeah, and exactly. Exactly. But, in, you know, he puts them out there and there was that slight miscommunication and then the ball gets snapped and just thrown away. And now you're handing the ball in, in you know, better field position. And that even like, I mean, I know it's seven plays because they got the reprieve from the the roughing the, the punter, but that was one, two, three, four. I'm counting that as a three and out five. Uh, and then the next one, uh, and then the next one they get, uh, I guess, wait, no, there was a seven play one in there where they did get a first down. Yeah. They snuck that in there. And the, well, just the protect, I, I, I refer to it as kind of like the prevent offense. And yeah. it's, no, I and- don't think it works anywhere. It's just not like if you're only getting a yard per carry on uh, first down, you know, three yards here, like you're not going to run sufficient time off the clock to, to be effective. Right. And Matt, Matt says, I think some of the intention behind running so much was stress the defense. And I do agree partly with that, but you also have to be cognizant of what the defense is doing and selling. Like we'll get into this when we, I'm about to get into like what Indiana did defensively. That was a little different than what they typically do. And you have to also then see like, okay, they're doing something to sell out, to stop the run. So let's not just bang our heads against the wall because we want to run the ball and we want to uh, 
run some clock and, and rest our defense. Like you still have to play the game as it's being presented to you. And I just felt they kind of didn't, didn't do that. So to speak, you know, even with the the very poor third quarter in the bad second half, I mean, the offense still 8.68 yards per drop back, which is 81st percentile. So that's still really good. 9% explosive play rate, which is 57%. All right. 5.83 yards per play. So even with the second, I mean, those, those numbers are obviously carried by the first half, but right. everything else was kind of, you know, less than average, nothing truly, truly terrible, but what I noticed that Indiana did, and, and it's they they kind of seem to be like overcorrecting week to week. Like even in the in the Western Kentucky game last week, Tom Allen mentioned how like they were so worried about the pass <clears throat> that they gave up a bunch of runs. Well, now this week it feels like they were so worried about how Western ran on them. Yeah. That which is really weird to me because like you see through three games, the numbers tell you like they're aggressive. They want to go downfield. So why would you be hell bent on stopping the run when that's not exactly what they're trying to kill you with? So they're usually a four, two, five team. They played a lot of four, three. So extra linebacker. They also did a lot of bare front, which even on a four down lineman is just having one of the D tackles head up on the center. So they they did that, and then especially in the second half, after they got nuked, giving up by the pass, they went to a lot of five-man front with two linebackers and played man, basically daring UC yeah. to throw. UC wasn't UC, throwing it. And UC didn't. And so, you know, the five-man, so almost every, almost every snap I watched of the, at least the second half, because I was paying more attention to why the run game wasn't working then than in the first half because the pass game dominated, was they had seven guys in the box on almost every play. I mean, they had they brought in the obviously the extra big man right in the middle, had the two D tackles, had two edge guys that were ends slash linebackers, so bigger body guys, and then two linebackers. And they were just saying like, all right, if you want to keep throwing and spread us out, then we're gonna, you know, we're gonna get blown out. But we think you're gonna try to to run the ball and work on your run game. And that's why I kind of said, like, don't beat your head against the wall. If they're if that's yeah. what they're gonna do, why are you gonna run into that? Like you just you're not gonna be able to block it up enough. You don't have enough people. I I think that that's what I mean that that's gonna be a a learning point there for for Gino and Luke and, and the team is like, hey, we're gonna because they're gonna be in a lot of games here soon. I would like to think that are gonna be the thirty-eight to ten variety at halftime, and they're gonna have to just continue to be ultra aggressive. And, and even if you maybe you don't put you know Trey Tucker out there, maybe it's like Drew Donnelly or somebody like you. If you want to go that route of like let's get some guys some experience and, and see what that works with, like let's put some other guys out there. And uh, but but stay with the same play style of being ultra aggressive, throwing the ball deep, doing that kind of thing, as opposed to let's let them stack the box and hand the ball off and get stonewalled three plays in a row and yeah. punt it away. I just in the run the run game itself felt more between the tackles than it had been 
uh, in the previous three games. You saw one like quick pitch type reverse play to Trey. You didn't see any of the ones where they just kind of snap it and pitch it directly sideways to Chuck, and he just kind of tries to get what he can get around the corner. Yeah. Um, you had the one middle screen, which was a great play, great move by Chuck on third and long to get 26 yards, but you yes. didn't have any – you didn't have any exterior screens, kind of like the one that got called back against Arkansas. You didn't have any just quick flood pass. Like there are ways to almost manufacture run type plays within the passing game that are basically extensions of the run game that I just they were just lacking yesterday for whatever reason. Um, but at the same time, like block better too. Like I'm not gonna just uh, you know say that. Indiana play, you know, Indiana did what they did, but you still need to block better. Yeah. Like to have you you know, basically what, 30, 30 runs for 40 yards. Like you got to create a, you got to, no matter what the defense is trying to do, you do need to be better at blocking in the run game than they were yesterday. Cause they were pretty darn good pass blocking. So, you know, we just got to be able to move some people a little bit better and create some, some creases a little bit better. And, and yeah, you know, putting five guys on the on the down line and ha- still having two linebackers, like there's nobody to block those linebackers. Yeah. So if you can't get off of your block and get to the second level or, or however they draw it up, like that's how they hold you to you know a poor rushing day. Yeah, so I, I would think like there was a yeah. Go sorry, go ahead. No, no. I, this is kind of a side note. That, like when they when they're down in the red zone. I, and really all over the field, I, I feel like they weren't incorporating, like if you're going to do something like that where they're, um, where you, you want to maybe slow the, not slow the game down, but not like, slow your offense down on purpose by not uh, throwing deep. Like they're not, they didn't use Lenny Taylor and, and Josh Wiley very much. And then when you, at the very beginning of the game, you get the, the interception from threats. He brings it back to the six. And you get three points out of that, right? Like, I've, I've, and obviously, like, I'm not in offensive meetings, and I'm not in in there, and all that kind of stuff. But I, I feel like using your two NFL quality tight ends in the red zone might be a good option, for sure. And, and Matt kind of brings that up why I didn't get many targets, and, and I agree. Yeah. Um, oh, well, and that good. was kind of the interesting part is like the one touchdown to Tyler Scott down the middle on third and one was an absolutely awesome play call play design because Indiana did think that they were going to run. They had two tight ends and Ben's under center Yep. and they play action it and hit, I mean, just an absolute perfect, perfect ball. But like, that's kind of some of the things. Okay. Yeah. They're okay. So they got five guys on the line and they got two linebackers in. So they got seven men in the box. Why don't you give them that look again and just use your tight ends more in the passing game. Like, just five yard out, seven yard out, something like that. Like they should, they shouldn't have the guys to cover him because they think you're going to run. So Lenny sneaks out, Josh sneaks out, just, just little things that, you know, feel like this team can grow on. But we say that at the same time, I'm like, well, they did score 45 and they did score 38 in the first half. And it was pretty much like, you know, nonstop onslaught, especially in the second quarter. So it leaves you wanting more. Yeah. 
and which is a good thing. And I think it's just still like a learning process of, of who we are, who we want, how we want to attack teams. Now that we're four games in, how are teams going to try to defend us? And then how are we going to, you know, combat that? And, and so, you know, it's, it's a growing process and a learning process. And I think that they will, you know, they'll keep moving, but they cannot like, there's not a defense they'll play. And I'm, Indiana's defense isn't great or anything, but like, no. I don't think there's a defense they play the rest of the year that can stop them. Well, like, I mean, we, we kind of talked about that all the way back in week one a- after, after the Arkansas game that like you, and obviously we, you know, caveated that with the fact that it was week one. So some of the things that we saw from some of these other teams that the Bearcats are going to play going forward, you know, we weren't sure maybe those were bad games or off games or whatever, but I think four weeks into the season, you've kind of got a good idea of what all these other teams are. Um, right. And I'm sure that uh, Aaron and Chad will really deep dive into the AAC oh, yeah. I am, tonight. I, they can have that tonight because yesterday <laughs> was a pile of dog, you know what, that I have zero interest in talking about. <laughs> but like back to the point of like there there's not going to be uh, i mean there there shouldn't be a situation where we lose a game because our offense got shut down by one of these defenses that we're running up against i mean it'd be hard i mean get, you look at it you know just take the Miami game for example i mean you have two fumbles <laughs> an interception you know of what should have been i mean the offense did not do great at points in the Miami game and they still scored, you know, plenty of points to win. So it's, it's hard to see, you know, especially if they do lean more into just being kind of as aggressive as possible. Most of the time, who the hell is covering Tyler Scott? No, like one. that dude, or Trey Tucker. He's or, embarrassing yeah. guys. Like they're playing off of him and, and still like have no shot. His third touch his third touchdown yesterday was just I mean he's, he gets out of, he gets that spin so quick on that stop route because the DB is flying up and he just spins mm-hmm. away and then that other I don't know what the safety was doing he, he, he may as well have just walked to the sideline he gave no effort <laughs> to try to try to tackle him but I mean like who are you how are you stopping that how are you stopping I mean Nick Warner had two catches for two yards. I don't even think Jaden Thompson had a catch. I mean, it was Tyler and Trey, and and that was enough. I mean, as long as that offensive line gives him the time. I mean, he had – I saw somebody tweet. He had had enough time back there to take a nap after he snapped the ball and then wake up, you know, get his his morning coffee and throw the pass. So as long as they they keep that pocket like that, there's – it gives the the uh, extra few steps that is needed, and those guys are wide open. And Ben, Bryant, I mean Ben's throwing, he's putting the ball right on the money on a lot of those. So you you allow that to happen, and not the you know if they're gonna stack the box, just open it up and and let's see what we got. Yeah, I mean, what is and the, you know, I'm not gonna turn this into. There's clearly not a. There's not a, there's nothing to the quarterbacks anymore, but right, right, right. I will say that in the second half, when it's just not working, 
for whatever reason, whether, you know, the Indian is playing good defense, they're stopping the run, we're, we're not executing and we're not maybe being as aggressive as we as fans would have liked to have seen. Like, I would not have been against a series for Evan just to see if it provided a spark, just to give them something different to look at, to say like, oh, you want to do this? You want to play seven in the box? And if he gets outside, you got nobody over there to tackle him. Right. Um, you know, and I think it was mentioned maybe in the chat too that, you know, if you're going to do that, if you're going to run, put Ben under center in that type of a situation, like you're kind of telegraphing what you're going to do. Because we do not throw the ball a lot at all outside of the one touchdown pass. Yeah. Like, we don't throw the ball from under center. So if he's under center, it's going to be pretty obvious that it's a run. And I just think they can vary it a little bit. And like I said, I, I would not have been against a Prater drive just to see if, and I know Luke doesn't want to, is, you know, is not going to get in like a back and forth type yes. thing, but the offense was stagnant. Like if he gives you a jolt for a drive, even if it doesn't result in a touchdown, but it flips the field and it, and it just gives them something else to look at. You know, I would not have been against it. I, I'm not surprised he didn't do it, but you know, it's something that just crossed my mind. Yeah, I th- well, I, I think Mo Egger even tweeted out like, if there was ever a time for like a Prater package, now would be a good time to just run it out there and, and see what it can, what, what it can like shake up, and then, uh, and maybe they just don't. I mean, I'm sure they have like some thoughts on on something like that, but you also have to practice it. And if they're not necessarily practicing it, or if it's not in that week's game plan, they're not just going to all of a sudden like go, Hey, let's do this real quick. We haven't been working on that. And you know, but you know, just a thought and, and we'll see how that, uh, how that progresses, I guess. Anything else from, from yesterday that, uh, that caught your attention. Uh, This, uh, Oh no, it's Papa bear over here. Uh, just, said it was thinking like the the uh putting prater in maybe on that that fourth and one where they accidentally hiked it um i don't don't know that they thought that accidentally hiking it was a thing that might happen um or or could have happened but i could see if maybe it had gotten you know snapped to him that maybe he can run to the outside a little bit on something like that Uh, i i don't know if yeah i think you know it just those things to me, I've always, I understand it, but like, and Indiana tried to do it and they had a, a false start yeah. and then had to pump it. Like, you're really telling the other team what you're trying to do. Now, you might still be able to get it because your guy's super athletic and, you know, only needs a yard and he's just, you know, they're, they're quarterback in that same vein as a former wide receiver. So he's a big athletic guy. Uh, or he is a, former quarterback that they moved to wide receiver and then, you know, would have been the, and then use like, you're really telling the defense what you're doing there. And maybe it doesn't matter, but if right. they bring Evan in for one play the whole game, like it's pretty obvious what they're, what they're he's not going to bootleg and, and throw it. Although so, I think he could do that. Well, yeah, well. I would do that, but you know, <laughs> I would bootleg him bootleg a lot. I, I would move, try to move Ben a little bit more, more too. I, um, you know, just get outside the pocket a little bit for some throws. Um, I know I did notice pregame that Will Pauling was dancing it up with his crutches. So hope maybe that's a good sign that he's he's getting getting close to returning on the, on the mend. Yeah, uh, Ryan Montgomery, you know, did not dress. We thought maybe he would he would be uh, be back this week. So maybe it was just an extra week of of precaution and you know possibly see him back uh, next week. 
Um, outside of that, I did not notice anything out, you know, major besides Arquan. Uh, but again, he's, I feel bad for that dude. I mean, his body, he's, he's just, he's got a lot of stuff going on and it's been going on for a while and he plays physical and it's taken a toll on him, but he, he always, you know, he's a gamer. So I would not doubt for one second that he'll be out there next week if, if he can go. So, yeah, that was probably another one of those situations where, you know, he gets hurt there. Obviously, what was that? Like kind of the end of the first half. Yeah. Um, and he goes back, came back out still still in uniform, but it's like, you know, you're up 38 to 10. You know, it, if it's like something that just got tweaked that, you know, it's not necessary to put him back out there and make that tweak become a, you know, two, three, four week injury. Let's just go yeah, ahead and I, I think stand over was, here on the sideline. Let's give some of these young guys a, a shot yeah. out there. And it would and have been interesting. Would have been interesting if it was a closer game. If he would have tried to to go, to I mean, go. it seemed like he was limping pretty good. But to but to be in uniform all game and not even bother to go in and and change or whatever makes me think that you know hopefully a good chance for him to be back out there. And yeah, it was mentioned earlier. You know, Ben seemed to be favoring his right arm a little bit. And Chad had mentioned that, you know, it was possibly from scab from a previous injury, getting ripped back off or something. Um, he said that in the post game presser. Uh, he, yeah. He said it was a cut from last I week. Did, I did find it a little interesting though. Like one point in the second half, he on a nut went one of the, whatever three and outs when they're coming off the field to punt, he unbuttoned his chin strap with his left arm on both like came across and like yeah. wouldn't even raise his right arm up to like undo the chin strap. Yeah. You know, on the broadcast, reading, on the broadcast, I guess he kept rubbing his arm too. Yeah. Um, probably but, reading too much into it, but you know, whatever. Um, yeah, the, like, the if he was that hurt, they wouldn't have kept putting him out there. He so. insisted he'd be fine. So yeah. Uh, how do I think, or how do we think JQ did? I thought JQ played pretty well. Nothing, nothing jumped, jumped out. Um, Indiana just doesn't have speed on the outside. Like they did not, I mean, try to see what, you know, what their um, longest pass was. And I think Uh, 20 yards, but I think I read something last night, just kind of reading from their side of things um, that of Basilex 280, like 120 was after the catch. So, I mean, they just did not push air, push air yards at all. You know, we talk about air yards, you know, I talked about air yards last week. Um, to me, that's like the true test of like, are you aggressive? Are you, yeah. are you pushing the ball down the field? Like it's or one thing to throw a screen makers. pass where a guy then runs at 40 yards. Like, okay, great. I mean, that's good too. You need that, but like, that's not indicative of a passing game that is aggressive. So, uh, was- <laughs> yeah, the broadcast was, uh, yeah, this one from, I was laughing at in the second half, Kirk Morrison just kept calling Kiner Shivers. Shivers, yeah. You know. You know. I'm like, I thought for a second the Beth, maybe. The Beth Moen's, uh Kirk Morrison group, you know, you, you kind of get what you get. Yeah, there, um, was, there was not a lot of, like, good insight coming from the broadcast <laughs> no no it was uh but you know 
as as the UC uh, Twitter account threw up, uh, we you know thoroughly dominated the state of Indiana oh. in our uh, in our con- contract games, our home and homes, and our buy games. So similar to how we are now the University of Cincinnati Los Angeles for our four zero work of the Bruins, we now oh. own the state of Indiana as well, which. It's not saying much. I mean, it's basically no. like a garbage can in middle America. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so <laughs> oh. glad, glad to get another win. Glad to to keep the momentum going. Um, I mean, the, have- then the, the other thing I want to bring up is like before this game, and this is just only related to them coming here to Nippert. It was like there was like zero respect for what Nippert is and like the environment that is created by the fans, especially oh, but, as a buddy that said, like it, it'd be no big deal to play in front of 40,000. Cause they yeah. played in front of much bigger crowds. Yeah. Well, how do you, they don't do good against those crowds. So, right. So he, he said that. And then after the game, you know, people were obviously calling him out like, Hey, and he was like, N- uh, what I said was it wouldn't be the most intimidating place because, you know, they go, and play in front of a hundred thousand fans, you know, at, at the big house and and up at OSU and and at Penn State, they, they play in front of you know more than double the fans. So I said it wouldn't be the most intimidating. And well, that's somebody not what re- he said to begin with. It wasn't. Right. I mean, I'm pretty sure what he said to begin with was like they shouldn't have a problem with it. Like it should be, it'll be loud, but like they shouldn't have a problem because they've played in similar environments before. They clearly had a problem in the first half. Like, oh, yeah. let's be real. It was an onslaught in the second quarter, and they did not handle it well. Oh. And the fans were, again, fantastic. And there was also, it was a Wetzel said, like, oh, UC doesn't sell out ever, so yeah. this is a weekend where UC is going to sell out. Like, almost kind of saying, like, oh, like, there's no there's no real UC fan base, and the only reason they're selling out is because it's a Big Ten opponent coming no, in. I think he, yeah, I saw that tweet earlier this week where he was, like, lumping them in with some other schools that don't typically have sellouts or whatever um yeah I, I think i think that one was just a an oversight on him yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm partial to i think dan's a really really funny guy and <laughs> and uh i agree with a lot of the stuff he says i don't think he was i didn't take that as like a, a shot i mean yes we've had more sellouts than those other teams obviously like kansas and and there you know teams like that but uh good, good, mo- good morning lambig were you uh were you nursing something you're a little late today <laughs> we 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 count on we count on our regulars but uh but no i mean the bearcats like th- i guess that's the fun yet frustrating part is you see what they can do especially in the second mm-hmm. quarter and then Ivan played 106 mm-hmm. snaps just i mean <laughs> And and he was and he was ever so chipper in the uh, in the post game press conference, like he could go out and play another hundred and six. I mean, I guess if I played that well, I'd want to I'd want to keep going. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh oh, Lam- I did not know Lambig was was all the way out on the the west coast. So I will definitely cut you some slack. I I very much appreciate you getting up this early to listen to us two morons talk about you know <laughs> a football game. But on, on to Tulsa, and Chad and I will break that down more uh, Wednesday night. They did – they probably – outside of UC, they might have had the best performance in the league yesterday in a loss 
uh, to Ole Miss. Now, their starting quarterback did get hurt and did not – did not finish the game, Davis Brin. Uh, so that'll be something to monitor. Apparently, pretty bad ankle injury. Not sure what that means for next week, but backup came in for a lot of the game, so we'll definitely be checking that out. This is definitely comedy, Marcus, considering what uh, Rutgers did yesterday. Uh, you know, Couldn't even get me the damn under against Iowa, 34 <laughs> points. I, I played it. Bastards went uh, over. Uh, but yeah, was it, a, so, was it a late touchdown bad beat on that? I, I don't even know. No, it was like a slow bleed. Iowa actually had a functioning offense for a couple drives. Um, of course, had a defensive touchdown in the first half. It's like, but like Rutgers had a backup quarterback and Iowa hates offense. I was like, I don't care what the number is. I'm taking the under. And it went just over. Yeah. Um, but but so we move on and we start the final season of American Athletic Conference play. Good. Man, or am I excited? I know. I'm very excited Sam, because Sam says he wants to hear our takes on the AAC performance. Sam, I I don't really want to give them. I'm I'm <laughs> sorry to I'm sorry to hurt you, but uh you know, I'll give you one nugget that that you know the Central Florida Golden Knights beat an absolutely decrepit corpse of a body Georgia Tech with one offensive touchdown. So uh, you know John Rice Plumley, he ain't it. And also, Houston was able to oh my beat God. A, <laughs> to beat I'll, a I'll, leave, I'll leave Dana's comments to Aaron and Chad because. There has not been a coach that is less self-aware than, than he is all. right now. Look at Aaron. There's Aaron. Look how excited he is for the AAC recap tonight. <laughs> I mean, if oh, you man. guys that are listening or will listen have not seen Dana's comments after that one, please go find them. They are – I actually love them. Like, they're so ridiculous, they're hilarious. Like a – Bad like, comedy sketch. Just will not take. Oh yeah, don't forget Navy's huge win against ECU. Yeah, that's another one. Oh my, you know Tulane after beating Kansas State loses to Southern Miss. Like I mean, it's just USF after playing Florida great just gets absolutely demolished by Louisville. I mean, it's it's so bad. It was it so was, bad. This is an odd week. It was kind of odd, like. Raise your hand. Raise your hand in the uh, in the chat over here if you had Kent State playing the best game against Georgia all year so far. I think that's like sneaky, uh, sneaky smart on Kent State's part is that they play the. They've have you seen their non conference schedule? No. So they started the year at Washington. Okay. Oh. Oh, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, so read that off real quick. Washington, 45-20 loss. At number 7, Oklahoma, 33-3 loss. And then they played Long Island. That was a win, 63-10. And then now Georgia, 39-22. You just just are like, we hate hate our players so much. We we love money and hate our players so much that we're going to make them play Washington, Oklahoma, and Georgia. (laughs) 
in the first four games. But at the same games. time, like, I really like their coach, Sean Lewis. So is it, like, partly smart of them to do this so that they accumulate these losses and maybe other schools don't want him because they think that they're not good, even though they are? <laughs> and it sets them up. I mean, look, then they then they go into conference play and they're, you know, likely you – know, they're not going to obviously see another team that is oh. anywhere near the caliber of those the first three that they played there. Like, no, I mean them putting up twenty two on Georgia. I'm I can't wait to see how many SEC teams don't put up twenty two on Georgia. Well, um, I'm I, I want to say that's the uh, South Carolina. Okay, so Samford Samford held them to thirty three points, but they didn't score at all. Oregon only scored three points. Right, uh, and. They're ranked in the top 15. And then uh, South Carolina put up seven points. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I think there were, I think obviously Georgia had some some issues going on. I think they had a couple turnovers and whatnot in the, at the beginning of the game that, that assisted in that. But, you know what, you don't just like, you still have to capitalize on those. And I would like to give Kent State credit for only losing by 17. So when do we talk about, my fantastic Tennessee Volunteers. Is that we want to talk about that now? Um, I mean, we we can go to that game. And my sister in law went there, and so like I, my my brother in law said, like they, I my phone gets blown up all day. We are with going Rocky to be Top. so annoying if we become good. Like everyone is going to hate us. I mean, we're going to get killed by probably killed by Alabama, maybe probably killed by Georgia, but like. Everybody is just like they might have burned Knoxville down last night. I have sources, you know, <laughs> saying that the town is barely standing. Oh, let's, let's jump to that game. Go ahead. Let's go to that game. I didn't I will see a minute. This this is the this is the one thing that drives me that I don't like is that it seems like every UT game that I want to watch is at the same time of, of a UC game. Yeah. So I didn't see a single down. I didn't. I didn't see a lot of it. I did see some stats that that's the most points that Tennessee's uh, or ties the most points Tennessee has scored against Florida in the last thirty years. Oh yeah, it hasn't um, been great. Florida lost to has now lost to Kentucky and Tennessee this year for like the first time in I don't know. Yeah, that's more a very of a Kentucky thing than a Tennessee thing. Right, right, right. <laughs> I get that, but Kentucky has still, beat them three out of the last five years. Uh, yeah. It's it's really a, a shame to see Florida go to two and two and zero oh and two in the SEC with a, a the front running Heisman candidate at quarterback. Yes, I, um, he did throw a touchdown pass finally though. Two. Oh, two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. So maybe he's back on the Heisman watch. I mean, he did he have was, a, a great. He did have a big game. Like I'm not going to. He was twenty two, twenty four, forty four for four hundred fifty three yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, they almost coughed it up at the end, giving up an onside kick, but. Uh, UT did all that offensively without their best wide receiver too. So, um, but just an awesome environment. I mean, my buddy that was at the game was like, you know, saying this was, there's a funny Twitter page, whatever called feels like 98. And so, you know, we always just make jokes that it's like, Oh, it's starting to feel like 98, you know, but, uh, but no, good to see the Vols take down the, uh, the jort and jorts and croc crocs crew. Um, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize I, I did not realize that uh that you were such a big ut fan oh i went there oh i did see i didn't even know that you didn't know that no 
Oh yeah. No, nobody oh, told me that until yesterday. I started seeing you tweeting out all these these crazy things. And I'm evolved, like, uh, man. Like with the uh, with Pat McAfee saying it's a great day to be evolved. Oh, yeah. Like at first I thought you were mocking him, and then I realized you're no. not. And I was like, all right, well now oh, I got no. another. Now I got another Tennessee fan that's gonna be blowing me right. up with all the all the exploits of I'm trying to of the trying to get down to the trying to get down to the Kentucky game Halloween weekend. So we'll see what happens there. Mm. Uh, right. Yes, Marcus. Marcus asked if I have reconciled UT being good and having Josh Heupel as their coach. I can't believe he's having success. I thought, thank he stinks. This is this is what's happening, Marcus. Josh Heupel is uh, a bridge coach. Now, he can be a great bridge coach, but I cannot imagine that uh, he's ever going to beat Alabama, beat Georgia. And even though we're all very happy that, of what they're doing, there is a large section of the fan base that will not be happy if they don't start beating those teams. And we'll run him out just like we run out every other uh, you know, coach – that's been down there. Uh, but his job and Danny White's job, the AD who came over from UCF, was to clean up one of the biggest dumpster fire athletic departments that anyone has seen over the last 25 years. And they have done that. They are adults. They are running a functioning athletic department and a functioning football program. And however they build it and the wins that come from it will be great. But eventually he will get fired too. But it'll just it'll be much easier to hire a new coach when that happens, given that things are just frankly normal. Like it's just a normal situation. It's not an Auburn situation or you know, an Arizona or, State situation. Right. So we will take our wins. And if he turns out to be a great coach, then I'll be all for it. Um, but we needed someone to just be an adult for a minute. And and we're doing a pretty good job of adulting, and I'll and I'll take that given what the Jeremy Pruitt era was, and the Derek Dooley era, and the Butch Jones era, and you know. So I was at, well, I don't know. Chuck and I are we are. Uh, we, Chuck might have me beat if he comes comes back for, you know, if he's still got another year or you know gets a, a medical or whatever, like. Uh, he might have me beat, <laughs> so that might not last long. Uh, let's see, what else do we got in the chat? Yeah, like this was the one that that cracked me up. Was Dana basically saying like, "This is the same stuff that has kept going on, and I'm tired of it, and I'm yeah. not taking responsibility for it." Oh, okay, coach. Well, well, who is? He's like, it's so irritating. This has gotten <laughs> to the point where it's irritating. It's like, great. Wonderful. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, someone's got to take responsibility for it, coach. And you're the one making like $5 million a year. Right. So it should probably be you. When you have the HC next to your name, um, I think all the responsibility falls at your feet. Sorry. Um, and we had, uh, we had Miami. Um, yeah. What the hell happened? The there? U. MTSU is like a, it's a dead program. Like they don't give a shit. Yeah, middle, middle Tennessee. They have they have an interesting indoor track there that I ran on one time in college. So they gave up a ninety eight yard touchdown pass. Miami did. Um. Well, 
MTSU's quarterback was 16 for 25 for 408 yards and three touchdowns. <laughs> that's, that's, that is pushing the ball down the field. So uh, their running back had 19 carries, 74 yards and a touchdown, and they had a receiver have two receptions for 169 yards and yeah. two touchdowns. I think he had a 98-yarder so, and like a 70-something yarder. Uh, let me pull up the box score real quick on it. I'll... But, uh, like, yes, this is the wildness of, like, college football. Like, everybody's big on Miami. Then they go to A&M and have no semblance of an offense whatsoever. And then you turn around and lose to, like, a comatose – MTSU program that Chase like, Cunningham, the quarterback. Like I only know a little bit about them because of them being in Nashville and in Murfreesboro, and then like yeah. me being some not a Nashville person, but like a lot of my friends are in Nashville, and like they're not even like. Do you think there's MAC programs that are like behind the times? Like MTSU is not trying to be like a 2022 competitive football program. Hey, they are three and one. Okay. <laughs> here, here, here's their receiving stats. So DJ England Chisholm had two receptions, 169 yards, two touchdowns. His long reception, 98 yards. Uh, Jalen Lane, four receptions, 130 yards. His long was 89 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Elijah Metcalf, 89 yarder and didn't score. Correct. Uh, <laughs> Elijah Metcalf had one reception for 69 yards and one touchdown. Oh my! And there's a 77 yarder. That other guy, the guy that had the two catches. Yeah. So they gave up a 98 yard pass, an 89 yard pass, a 77 yard pass, and a 69 yard pass. Oh my, oh my god! <laughs> like <laughs> they were their their entire receiving court. They were averaging 25 and a half yards per pass this is a totally another discussion but like if you're gonna sit here today after four weeks and tell me uc is not a top 25 team then i i just don't know like what sport you're watching well then if you want to you want to talk about teams that got votes over uc and who they played this week um we can go over here and look at hook them uh well okay look at that but um, horns app, down <laughs> app state loses to james madison oh they lost yeah yes they lost it was uh, I think it was a like 30, 38 or 32 to 26, something like that. Oh my God. So, I don't know. Yeah, it was uh, 30, 32 to 28. That's what it was. James Madison scored 15 points in the fourth quarter. So they have two losses now. Like, tell me, BYU cannot get the the New Year's Six game. Like, that's just doesn't matter how high they get. They are playoff or holiday bowl, I think, or whatever. Um, and they, they, I mean, they, they beat, they beat Wyoming yesterday, 38 24. But they lost, I mean, they lost, they already have a, a loss. So, yeah. And so they've dropped down to 19, but they'll, you know, they'll probably obviously yeah, stick so up there. Texas, Texas's big thing this year is a close loss to Alabama. Like, they were ranked because they almost beat Alabama, and then they turn around and lose to Texas Tech. Yeah, horns down. So, good job ranking them. Right, and then who? Well, and then also, you know, good job ranking Miami, who gets beat by Middle Tennessee State. Right. So, so let's let's see how many. Uh, so what what other games? The the first half of the uh, Ohio State game was a was a no contest. Yeah. 
they blitz, which is not surprising. Michigan, uh, Maryland, Michigan struggled yeah, a little bit there with uh, Maryland. Well, Michigan took the Bengals' approach to the preseason and scheduled dreadful Colorado State, who got blown out by Sacramento State yesterday. Hawaii and Connecticut as their three as their non-conference game, and we apparently we saw yesterday like you probably should have played someone a little bit better. Because <laughs> Maryland, uh, you know, is pretty good, but gave them a game. Yeah, 34-27. Michigan uh, ekes it out. Um, you have Clemson-Wake Forest. Final in two overtimes. Uh, Clemson won that uh, 51-45. Uh, Kansas State beat Oklahoma. 41-34. I was I was I was big on Kansas State coming into the year. They got what Martinez is their quarterback. Yeah, Taylor Martinez and Deuce Vaughn's this tiny, awesome running back. Um, and then, and then they just shit the bed against Tulane, score ten points, and then come back and win at Oklahoma. Like, <laughs> try to figure this stuff out, man. Like uh, none yeah. of none of it makes sense. I'm trying to see here if there's any. Uh, Baylor wins at Iowa State. Uh, Texas A&M beat Arkansas. Did you see the end of the Oregon game? Um, I saw that they scored 22 points in the final two minutes and 49 seconds. Yeah, that was wild. 29 points total in the fourth quarter, and 22 of them came in the last two and a half minutes. Yeah, so they, they're, there's two minutes left. They are down. What are they down? They're down. Well, they scored 20. They what, throw a 50-yard there, touchdown so. pass, get a two-point conversion to cut it to three. On the very next play, pick six to go up 10 and then blow the cover by giving up a touchdown in a minute to Washington State coming right back and then end up winning by three. So the, the Bo Nix experience was in, in full bloom yesterday. Let's Arkansas. What... Let's talk about Arkansas just pissing away a, a win, fumbling on the goal line, re- return for a touchdown, 98 yards or whatever. And then I don't think I've ever seen a kicker hit the top of the goalpost um, for the win. Ball uh, hit the top yeah, of the goalpost. Yeah, it came down on the top of it. Landed on the top of it and then somehow bounced back like into field of play. So it was no good. I mean, was it Coe's? Uh, Coe had the kick against, was it Arkansas that like smashed off the upright? Yeah. I mean, this thing landed and like was, literally hit pretty high the, up. the very top of it. That, that should be extra points. Someone, someone's <laughs> actually said that before on Twitter. Like if you, if you drop the ball right football, off. If you hit the very top of it, you should get double points. <laughs> I mean, that, that's unfortunate for them. Um, the Auburn-Missouri game, I know that that's... Is what it is there, but yeah, that um, did not save Brian Harson's job. Auburn or Missouri missing a twenty-six yard field goal to win at the end. Yeah, so you miss that. Then Auburn, what comes down and kicks a field goal, and then Missouri has a chance to win it, and the uh, the running back drops the ball on like the half yard line as he's extending it out to score. He just like he's running, and he I mean he could have just held the ball and gotten in, but instead he tries to do the and he wants to kind of flick it in the air and drops it on like the half yard line there. Oh my god. I did not so. see that. 
Sam brings up an interesting point. Is the Big Ten good? Ohio State's obviously good. Michigan, I, I guess, Could is be. good. I think Penn State is good. Um, other than those three, like, are we, are we, are we, as in uh, Michigan State, are we regretting giving Mel Tucker a gazillion dollars? I mean, I, I haven't, I wanted to look into his contract to see, like, what kind of, like, like safety nets they like there's into no, it. There are none. He's but I don't think there are any. <laughs> like they they were they were somebody said like they were so like hell bent on proving to the world that he was their guy. They were so after worried the, about after him the Luke going Fickle to snub. L- they were so worried about him going to LSU even though LSU had no interest in him. Right. So then they they dropped a bag on his front porch and now he's 95 like 95 yeah. million dollars. Yeah, and they're like, just like two weeks in a row against competent FBS teams, Washington and Minnesota. They're not even competitive. What was the score yesterday? Uh, Twenty-seven, okay. nothing. I think it was thirty-four to seven. Was the oh, final score? So, is it time to row the boat again in Minnesota? I don't know, man. Four and zero, one and zero in the Big Ten now over a whatever Michigan State wants to call themselves. Um, I mean, you're talking about second-best conferences. I mean, the Big 12 doesn't have anybody at the top that can compare to, like, obviously compare to, like, an Ohio State. Um, But top to bottom, I think the Big 12 is the second-best conference. Now, I'm sure there's some analytics out there that will tell us what that is, but... um, it's not the ACC. It's not. Right. It's not the Pac-12. Obviously, not the American. <laughs> so either it's the Big Ten or the Big Twelve. I would think the American. It's not their responsibility to be the best in the in the country, Dave. <laughs> well, let's try not to be the worst. Yeah, you know, right, can we, exactly. can we do that? Uh, well, they're not really. I mean, Any, a, anybody else? Um, anybody else? Jump out before we head over and, ra- and wrap this up with some Bearcats in the in the NFL and uh, and uh, I don't Kansas really want to talk. Four I don't really want to talk about the Bengals. So no, <laughs> we don't have no, we to don't, talk about that. Don't have to. Crap, uh, start. Hey, there was a there was a huge um, you know undefeated matchup on the basketball Duke, court. Yeah, Duke and Kansas. Kansas, baby. Kansas is four zero. They're in first place in the Big Twelve, aren't they? Uh, I believe so. Yes, because they beat West Virginia. They're one zero and four zero, so they're probably you know um, in first place. Kansas. All <laughs> conferences. Kansas Big State. Twelve. Kansas Jayhawks one zero, um, uh, followed by the one zero Baylor Bears and Kansas State and Texas Tech. And then Oklahoma State hasn't played anybody in the Big 12 yet. Neither has TCU. And Iowa State, Oklahoma, Texas, and West Virginia are all 0-1. So. Makes sense. There you go. But, uh, yeah, you know, a typical Saturday in college football where teams that everybody thinks are good loses. And, you know, it's just rent. It's just like a, every week is just subbing out a group of teams for an, for another group that, you know, who's, who are we going to say is good this week that then turns around and, and loses to 
someone that we think is not good. Uh, the the whole the, like that that Miami MTSU game is is still just like blow, like because I didn't look at the stats I just saw they lost I'm like oh that sucks but then you look at it and you see you've got like you're giving up that to MTSU's passing attack like what right. is Wake does Miami play Wake Forest um stand by to stand by looks like uh, they do not play them oh that would have been a good one because sam hartman would might throw for 700 yards against them if mtsu is is doing that uh and then our buddy uh marcus freeman got another win nice so they beat north carolina it's a a pretty pretty good win they beat him pretty handily too 45 32 it was uh it's nice to see after, you know, Marshall has now lost to Bowling Green and somebody else this week after beating Notre Dame. So that would not have, that's not a good look for the Irish that the, the you know, losing to Marshall and then them turning around and, and, and going 0 for 2. Well, it looks like, uh, and, and offensively, I mean, Drew Pine was 24 for 34, 289 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, it doesn't look like any interceptions. And uh, their running back was had 17 carries for 134 yards and two touchdowns. Michael go. Michael Mayer had seven receptions, 88 yards, and a touchdown. So, getting, it, getting it going in uh, in, South in South Bend. Bend. Oh. All right, so let's switch over, wrap things up with some Bearcats and the pros. Week two. Week two. Anybody? Anybody? Throw up some some good um, numbers. I went through some things. It looks like Jerome Ford's. Jerome Ford is uh, returning kicks for the Browns. Jerome Ford was at the game yesterday. Yeah. So he had two, it looks like he had two kick returns for 67 yards with a long of 44. Nice. Uh, Derek Forrest uh, had yeah. 10 tackles, led the team. He's, ten, he's, the, ten he's, he's been the, the headliner for the Bearcats and the pros. Yeah. yeah. So far. Kobe had five, uh, five tackles, four solo. Uh, Sauce had six tackles, five solo. Uh, Travis Kelsey was five receptions, 51 yards on seven targets, no touchdowns. And Brian Cook had a tackle in that game. We got the big, uh, the big Sauce Gardner, uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins matchup today. Uh, I'm excited, excited to see how that goes. If the Bengals' offensive line can block for long enough. That it can, that it's a thing. Joe to actually throw the ball towards Jamar. But but the the thing is, like, it, if they just move Jamar around, like, it, they could still just not go at Sauce. And it, did. yeah, I mean, he's he's gonna play a lot. In, I'm imagining he'll play a lot in the slot, and 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 we'll we'll see what kind of offense the you know Zach Taylor can muster up today. Yeah, this, I mean, if you drop this one, you're in full blown five alarm fire, like. Yeah, it's not not good. It's not a Super Bowl hangover. It's like, uh, do we need to make some, some real ass? I mean, I know people have talked about Zach not calling plays for a while, and I'm, I'm not totally against that. I think he's a really good coach. I think he's a, a good head coach. I think he understands, for the most part, you know, the players really like him. But you know, it might be time for, for Brian Callahan to start, start calling the plays. But. Good thing is the rest of the AFC North hasn't exactly lit the world on fire. So, you know, you win this one, kind of move yourself back. I mean, the the Browns just beat the Steelers, so you got that. I don't know who the Ravens play today. 
Ravens play the Patriots. Okay, so, I mean, theoretically, after today, uh, if the Bengals win and the Ravens drop theirs, you're looking at, you know, being one and two and tied with everyone but the Browns. So, and right. I don't think the Browns are actually that good. It'd be interesting if the Browns keep playing all right. What happens when Watson comes back? Do, are people even like more, more angry at him, more against him? Yeah. Um, I'm looking up something really quick here. I wanted to see Colts last week. I think Alec Pierce was out. He was out last week too. Was, okay. I think he was out with the. Like, or he was out with the concussion. The right. Concussion last week. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to play this week. Or well, not. I don't know if he even made a difference in their 24 nothing yeah. loss to the Jags. Oh my God. Right. Yeah, not good. Uh, so hopefully he comes back this week, gets gets some get some action, gets some catches. Uh, but obvious the big one is is Derek Forrest Here. building on two really really good games to start the year and and seeing what uh, what Sauce does against the Bengals wide receivers and Washington like, plays the Eagles this week. So what's that? I'm sorry. Washington plays the Eagles this week. So. Eagles have a have a good offense, so it'll, that'll be a a good test. Yep. Um, oh, there there was one thing I wanted to touch on, and now it, it seems to have slipped my mind. Um, and it was reference to Bengals. Oh well, I'll tweet it out if I remember it. <laughs> Sounds good, but uh, yeah, Falcons, Falcons zero and two against Seattle. So you know, I don't think we're quite to the. Marcus Mariota has not been the reason they're losing these games. Uh, so it's it's not like we might – I don't think we're really close to seeing Dez unless he were to get hurt. But, you know, as the – if and when the losses continue to pile up, we, we could be uh, getting closer and closer to, to Dez getting some action. So – but other than that, I think that about wraps it up. Thanks again for everybody coming on this morning, talking about another Bearcats win as they take down Indiana 45. Uh, oh, here, we'll, we'll jump in here real quick. Yeah, Maje has been a, been an inactive, healthy scratch. Not a, not a huge surprise. Probably just the, the you know, that odd man out from a rush standpoint for the Cardinals. They had a wild one last week, uh, wild comeback win. So, but uh, we will be back, obviously, again next week to recap the game at Tulsa. That is, I believe, a 7 o'clock kick on ESPNU. So, I'm sure the 4,700 people in attendance will will be excited for the the last Bearcat trip, I imagine, to to the great uh, Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Stadium, uh, Natalie, yes. The brunch is the same time every week, 9.30 to 11. We try to try to keep it in that in that world. You know, please rate us, subscribe, leave comments on the YouTube, comments on the iTunes, follow Jeff and myself on Twitter, follow Bearcat Journal on Twitter, follow all our guys, Chad, Aaron, Brent, the PCP guys, uh, the new guys, the Rock of Truth podcast joined our network uh, Thursday with 
yeah. with the former players. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to listen to, get their perspective. But uh, we are trying to give you guys a little something different every day in this new world of podcasts and live streams and being able to interact with everybody. So, again, big thanks to Royal Link Golf Tours as our as our sponsor for the brunch. And if you missed it at the very beginning, we will have uh, former quarterback Hayden Moore as a special guest after the homecoming game on the October 9th episode. So with that, I thank everybody. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, executive producer Aaron Smith. Thank you, Bearcat fans, and have an enjoyable Sunday, and we will we will see you back again next week on the Bearcat Brunch.